Mission 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to Total SF Heather Night. And first things first, our very first episode in a church, and I can't believe I used double middle fingers in the church (laughs) during the episode. That is definitely a sin, Peter Hartlob, and I have not recovered from my embarrassment. Just kidding, you were absolved. Um, Bishop-elect Megan Rohr forgave you, so all is good. Yeah, we caught up with Bishop-elect Megan Rohr. They are the first transgender pastor ordained in the Lutheran Church, and now the first transgender bishop in any large denomination American church. And we wanted to talk with them about spiritual spaces. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, the bishop is always very uplifting, reassuring, um, said that pretty much anything goes in their church. Um, I don't think you're the first person to ever use the middle <laughs> finger there. Also, apparently, there has been swearing there and, um, and other sins, but uh, the bishop didn't go into too much detail on that front. Yeah, I mean, I just had such a great time. We had had Megan Rohr on an episode last year and just went in all these other directions, including talking about spiritual spaces, places to go and feel centered, places to feel peaceful. And I think we need that now more than ever, kind of coming out of this pandemic and discovering San Francisco again. Yeah, and we got very creative and um, expansive in our definition of a spiritual space. There was no talk about church pews or synagogues or mosques. These are, um, let's say, liberal definitions of a spiritual space. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, you and I, um, we admitted in the episode, we don't really go to church But it does come back to that feeling that you get in church, that feeling that you get in whatever is a place that feels like sanctuary for you. And then it all ties together. And by the end of it, I'm sure this is their plan. I kind of feel like I want to go to Lutheran Church and just (laughs) go to a service where Megan Rohr is is working. I would go with you once. We'll test it out. Okay. We will test out church. Um, For this episode, we're just going to talk about spiritual spaces. Lots of fun. Also, thoughtful talk about San Francisco. Megan Rohr coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Bishop Rohr. Thank you. The Lutheran Church has named you bishop of its nearly 200 congregations in California and Nevada, which, according to what I read, you can always trust the internet, makes you the first openly transgender bishop of any major religious denomination in the country. True? Correct. Wow. Yes. Since uh, the year 324, when the Council of Nicaea became very upset about such things. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. That's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how did you learn this news and how did you feel? We had an online assembly um, and the kind of bishop election process in the Lutheran Church is like you give a series of speeches and then they keep uh, voting after each round of speeches and it kind of kept narrowing down from 12 to 7 to 3 and then to 2 and then by the hair on my chinny chin chin i got the bare minimum number of votes wow. needed for an election which is perfect because now everyone believes it was their vote that like made a difference <laughs> and i agree with all of them 
That's great. And so you're bishop-elect. When does it become official? Yeah, July 1st at midnight is when I become officially the bishop for the purposes of like signing documents of being in charge of kind of our local synod. And then September 11th is when there is a big worship service where like bishops gather from all over the place to like lay hands on me and pray for me and give wow. me like fancy hats and signs oh and symbols. So there's like the one, the first one that's like, you can sign documents now. And then the second half that's like, wear these cool embroidered outfits. <laughs> Where do you get these embroidered outfits? Where does this event happen? So this will be at St. Matthew's in Walnut Creek. And embroidered outfits will be obtained by uh, queer tailors who are trying to like reimagine like what clergy wear looks like for in-between spaces because typically most like you know this already of course but most pastors outfits are made by like monks uh-huh I totally knew that yeah <laughs> and um and they mostly were like male monks who knew how to make them so then when when churches started ordaining women they were just like let's put pleats in places <laughs> that Pleats are them, not are never a good Nobody idea. wants that around their curvy places. <laughs> and so it's been a long, hard-fought battle for, like, female clergy to get shirts that look nice. Um, and so I think there's a group of people who are excited to be like, ooh, what could, like, trans clergy outfits look like? And so they're inspired to kind of reimagine that with me. Maybe you need to reconnect with the Queer Eye guys. Yeah. Who are your friends? And I bet they'd have good ideas. They have some good tailors. Are you are you making notes? Are you sending them ideas? Oh, the tailor folk or yeah, the Yeah, yeah, the tailor folk. Yeah. So, what well, well, one of the things because our 200 congregations are are in really diverse parts of California and parts of Nevada, like it goes all the way down to Visalia. Um, kind of this territory and so one of the things that I did is um, I asked the Latinx pastors in our synod to come up with an, a design for the hat it's called a mitre I know you already knew that too um, it's like the you're giving me so much credit it's the top of the chess bishop right mm-hmm. um, and kind of that kind of triangle pointy hat and a lot of contemporary like Lutheran bishops don't wear it but for me as a trans bishop so much of the violence that happens to trans folk, like on Trans Day of Remembrance, a lot of that centers in Latin America and in Brazil. And if I'm going to be in all the papers as this trans bishop, then I want to wear the uniform that will make folk in those spaces where trans people receive the most violence be like, yes, that's what a bishop looks like. And oh. we can do that job too, right? That's cool. Yeah. Will you still be based here in the city? Uh, yeah, we'll still live in the area, probably um, have an office in in a like South San Francisco, but like a quick little commute mm-hmm. for folk. So much of the world is like work from home most of the time and drive a lot. Mm-hmm. And especially in this role where like trying to get all the way up to Reno is going to take <laughs> a little longer than yeah. trying to get across town. Um, and so I'll also be stepping away from my kind of paid work with the San Francisco Police Department. Mm -hmm. And I'll still get to like uh, show up in a fancy uniform and pray for first responders and, um, you know, help at graduations, maybe bless some badges or whatever, but but won't be doing kind of the day-to-day call-outs for caring for people in emergencies. Hmm. 
Well, you don't know it, but you're my positivity mentor. Yeah. Um, after, after, it really, it really stuck with me. You talking about just giving people random compliments, yeah. and um, we're talking about this. But I wonder how. What's that like in this time? Um, and is it hard to stay positive? Is it hard to, to just find that random good in people or is it easier in a time like this when things are kind of getting rougher for a lot of people spiritually? I, for me, like no doubt there are moments where I just like am driving and yell at people who do dumb things because it's a one way street and they're going the wrong way or, you know, you have to, um, share the roads. Like whenever I'm riding a bike, I think I have the right of way. And whenever I'm walking, I think I have the right of way. And whenever I'm in a car, I think I have the right of way. So I'm still like fully a human being. Um, but I think that like what helps me is that like having a, a seven and an eight year old, I think helps a little bit because there's so many things to kind of trip them up in the world that they can really get down about. And if I'm trying to instill like this idea of positivity in them. It really helps to do that. And then I created this this kind of ritual for myself that I would post like one nice thing at least every day online. And so even if it's not how I feel today, it's still me making a concerted effort to post that. That helps a lot. But then also like, you know, a few days after I was elected bishop, I got a, a prayer request from someone saying, my trans sibling is in the hallway waiting for an ER slot to open because they just tried to take their life. And so because where we are with trans folk in the United States is that all of the news is mostly bad and it's mostly about people saying like, you should have even fewer rights even though everything is bad. It, for me, it feels like there has to be a counter narrative to that. There has to be someone who can show like that being a trans person is a healthy, faithful thing that you can do. And so I try to intentionally like live that on the outside of my body more than maybe I would if, you know, I could just be like a hermit in a hole somewhere <laughs> praying forever. And so, but then once I started like this ritual of trying to be positive in public and trying to be positive online, like our family would just get like cards from all over just saying like your positivity online is what got me through this pandemic or like I'll bump into people who are like at the COVID command center and they'll say like watching your kids celebrate um, like all of the things that helped you get through this week and all of their silly ideas about how they can be wonderful and supportive of community like that helped me get through it and so I think the more that I learned that like my outward positivity was like for some people like the thread that was holding them from like yeah. just raging against the world during yeah. a lot of this pandemic time. I think it, it for me kind of gave it a, a larger purpose. So in the same way that my being the first trans bishop is bigger than me, I think right now like being externally positive in public is something that's kind of bigger than me and has inspired other people to kind of do a similar thing of thanking people. So I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's something that's, that's catching on. I, I like it because it's a little good. And, it, it, and I don't mean it's a little good. Like, it's a little good. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's not something that's going to make the headline. Right. But we're living in a time where the headlines are, like, just pummeling 
and you've got one headline covering, um, you know, something that's happening in your city, an important thing that we need to discuss, but then there's 10,000 little things below the headlines, and that's what I think we're talking about Mm -hmm. here, you know, and and just passing on a compliment, telling someone they're doing a good job, and I'll tell you, sometimes it backfires. I've been been more outward about it, and people, like, look at me suspiciously, but I, I just find that the those little things add up and um, I don't think people talk about that that much and I think you can get a skewed perception just looking at those big headlines when I'm sure you see a lot of good a lot of lot of little good well I think that's I think that's part of the privilege of like being a chaplain particularly with city workers is like if you just showed up for the public meetings, you see a lot of people yelling at people <laughs> and being mad that their job isn't like better and that things aren't done the way that we could imagine like the most perfect city would be if none of us were human. And so I think to like see the, like, the, the amount of work that's happening right now because people are stressed out about trying to make a city budget and they're doing the best they can, they're pitching great ideas, and things are getting shuffled in lots of different ways, and to just like sit there and be with people during like hard parts of their job is one of the biggest honors because most people wouldn't think to care for people in those moments, but then there are people, like there was a time I just sat for like six hours in the Board of Supervisors hall um, while people in the police department and the fire department were like, doing their kind of yearly grilling for the budget cycle and just sat there and smiled at them. And I bet you I was the only person that day who smiled at them. And so like, I think some of that comes from doing homeless ministry as long as I did, like that you could just smile at a homeless person and it changes their whole day walking down the street because no one smiles at them. And I think part of it's also the like growing up in South Dakota and I think other people who have moved from across the country and then come to San Francisco or any community where like, like in South Dakota, when you say, how are you? And someone says, fine, you ask them two more times how they are until they give you the honest answer. And then you're late to work because you actually like <laughs> listen to it. And you ask like follow-up questions. And, and moving to kind of the Bay Area, there are some folk who like are that way with each other. But there's also like a lot of people who get suspicious, like, why did you just smile at me while walking down this trail? And I'm like, dude, like we're in the middle of Golden Gate Park and there's like, you know, these amazing birds everywhere. Like the other day, my wife um, outside of our house, there's like a dove that now walks around outside our house. I don't know if this is a bishop thing or it's just a random <laughs> wow, bird. Wow, that is very thing. symbolic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like like so many of the things that we get to like enjoy in San Francisco, we would totally go on vacation somewhere else and like actually take it in. But here it's just like, I gotta get to the next place mm-hmm. or whatever, like honk, the light <laughs> changed a second ago. <laughs> Why are you sitting there? <laughs> yeah, but it's just really like, but man, like what a weird, like you can't even like walk through the tenderloin a couple feet and just be like, out. like there's some weird gargoyles up there and like old paint that like just can delight your heart if you like pause a second and, yeah yeah you've talked a lot about your daughters on social media and yeah. um, you were pretty honest throughout the pandemic about how hard zoom school was for them oh. you did not necessarily stay <laughs> upbeat in that regard I just wondered how they're doing now and and what this past year has been like 
I think they're ready for Cirque du Soleil, because mm-hmm. that's my joke, is that there were lots of parts during the pandemic where they had more mime classes than math. Broke my little heart. Uh, so what it's meant is for Michaela, uh, Michaela was like super quiet and shy prior to the pandemic. And now, I think in part because we were doing kind of this like once a week, like you can do it, online uh, video stuff. She goes in her room and like narrates her life to her stuffed animals and to like her fish. And she's like just doing her, like she could care less if she's got another person around. She just is in a movie every time she's like by herself, which is like such a wonderful like adult, like how many of, how many times in our life would our adult life be better if during the times when we felt lonely or no one else else was around, we were just like, whatever, I'm in a movie and I don't (laughs) care, right? Like, and so like hopefully that will like stick and last and... I'm super grateful for all the ways that, that their teachers have been kind of acrobatics in terms of figuring things out. Well, we're going we're gonna to segue into our um, spiritual spaces discussion, but I, I wanted to just ask you, um, what have you been doing to just keep yourself healthy and keep focused during the pandemic? I do a lot of artwork. I do a lot of music. Um, we did some creative worship during the pandemic that was really helpful for me. Cause I was like, if I'm doing worship in my living room, like I ought to at least enjoy it. It's my living room, right? And if I'm the only one able to do the music cause no one else can be in the room with me, like let's make it be something fun. And so um, we made a pandemic worship service about sheltering in place with the tunes of Joni Mitchell. Oh, cool. uh, we did a Simon and Garfunkel one. Oh, nice. um, Oh, my, ki- my family and I, we, I should have brought you a copy of this. We wrote a book called Fart Town. <laughs> really? <laughs> which is a satire of San Francisco. Oh, how did we not know there's, about this? Um, You're burying There's the a mayor called Mayor Pedigree. <laughs> um, and there's several, there might be a couple of the teachers from Harvey Milk Civil Rights Academy. <laughs> and my children might make a few. So they did the illustrating and I did some of the writing. And the idea was um, in part because... There's, there's some statistics that say that, that for black children, which my children are, that their literacy rates are a lot less than other demographics, in part because black children really resonate with humorous books of their elementary school grade level. And there are very few humorous books that are diverse, and so they don't often kind of capture the attention of children. And so we're like, in the midst of everyone like protesting in the streets, I not only was like out with a bullhorn, but we're like, let's fix parts of this if we can. And so um, Fart Town, I think you'll appreciate, (laughs) um, is a town where people are so nice that they don't mention when other people fart. So the people are nice, but the air is polluted. (laughs) And so they have to figure out what to do. And there's a shenanigan at City Hall that is- There's always a shenanigan at City Hall. What happens to unravel it? And so, it's a it's a book that like has diverse pronouns for the characters. Um, my one of my favorite lines is the the character who that's based after or after Michaela, and it's like in the sixth chapter, and it'll be like you probably thought we were all white because the pages of this book are white. You need to change your imagination, right? <laughs> and so. Um, so it's just a little silly thing that like helped us. Like we just reinvented a fictional town and pretended we live in it. They're rival neighbors across the bay. Maybe it's Oakland, but don't tell them. <laughs> it's called Sass Town, and they hate everything. Um, 
You say this is a little thing. This is like a 10-part Netflix series that yeah. I want to binge right now. Yeah, I'll get you a copy. It's a very short book for because it's for little kids' attention spans. I should have brought you on, but I will. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short break. Well, I, the last time you were on, we were having such a good time that in the middle of the podcast, we started talking about, well, what's our sequel going to be? And I think we had it down to either Sister Act 2 or Meditative Spaces. <laughs> I would argue that in the pandemic, people need both. True. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, spiritual meditative spaces in San Francisco, places that you go to center. To uh, Maybe I'm describing this differently than you had in mind when we talked no. about it last Well, time. but I did three categories in my brain. I did like... Lutheran spaces, because obviously Lutheran bishop has to like brag about those. Then like uh, my favorite sanctuaries. Mm. And then I thought about like the favorite outdoor places that I go. So I'm happy to see what you pick and then try to pick better ones, if that <laughs> is also what the game is. Yes. Um, yeah, Heather, do we have any rules that we need to set? Ooh. San Francisco? Points yeah. don't matter? Yes. Well, if you would like to pick an Alameda spot, you can. But I think we should stick mostly to San Francisco. Can we okay. at least, like, groan into the microphone? If yeah. You okay. Alameda. Again. That's all they talk about on this podcast. That and that I was a paper boy for the San Francisco <laughs> Chronicle are the things that I drop in every podcast. And Total Muni. I, was a, I delivered the paper for the shopping news, which I don't think they have here. But in South Dakota, it's like the coupon paper Ooh. that no one wants, so it's free and just arrives. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, broad definition for spiritual spaces. Um, yeah. Heather, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I am going to make my first choice the Great Walkway, formerly known as the Great Highway, at sunset on a lovely day, which is rare in the outer sunset, but if you go out there, sunset, ocean beach, with a bike or just walking with your kids, you just feel like at peace with the world and everything is good and just as it should be. And this is also a plug to keep it the Great Walkway forever. Um, first of all, you stole one of mine already. <laughs> I One of my three, and I have a backup, but I only have one backup now, so I'm going to be white-knuckling it through the rest of this. I'll, I'll slip you a couple if you need to. <laughs> That's okay. I, can, I could probably get First time you were there, what, what, what makes this your spot? Where do you like to go? You know, what's your best scenario to just be in, in a spiritual place on the Great Walkway? I love the whole thing. Um, I like going just up and down and up and down on a bike. I think my record is probably three round trips. And it's just, um, you just get in the zone. You're not really thinking about anything. And it's just like, everybody's happy. You don't have to worry about cars. Nothing bad is gonna happen. It's just very peaceful. We went there a lot during the pandemic and it really felt like this was the one place you could go safely and nothing bad was gonna happen. And it just felt great. Good choice. You, you talk about compliments. Like I feel like J Car Free JFK and the Great Walkway are places where if I see someone I don't know and I'm like, hey, I love your jacket. Where'd you get that? I'm not going to get a, what are you talking to me for? Yeah. You know, which is when I'm biking around downtown, that's a reaction I get if I pull up next to someone, you know, like, well, what do you want from me? And <laughs> I don't get that on the Great Walkway. Right. So have you been there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, live, I live just a few blocks away. Yeah. I usually have a bullhorn and we're like shouting something as we walk down there. What are you shouting? I don't, well, it depends on like what, I've been to so many protests in the last 
like five years. Yeah. My favorite is when they bring the giant duck that looks like Donald Trump. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because when they put it near Ocean Beach, it kind of sways like it's it's really into whatever it is people are protesting at that given yeah. moment. Yeah. Good one. Cool. Okay, would you like to go next? Yeah, do you want a, a, a fun one or a serious one? It's up to you. Okay, I'll start with the serious one. Um, my favorite is uh, 18th and, the 18th and Castro public altar oh, space. Oh, yeah. Um, which, for those who don't know about it, it's a, a space that used to be across the street where the Walgreens was. It was the very first place they, anyone posted any pictures from the HIV and AIDS crisis. Mm -hmm. So the very first known mention of it. Mm. And then after that time period, so that was, I think, the 40th anniversary of the first diagnosis mm -hmm. is coming up on June 5th. Oh, right. And so people post, posted like notices. And so now, Caddy Croner across the street um, Whenever someone dies who's beloved in the LGBTQ community, people put up all of mm -hmm. their photos and they don't just put like the like kind you would see on the front of like a funeral mm -hmm. bulletin. Uh, they put all the like, and here's them in leather and here's them in face paint. And, yeah. um, so it's, it's, it's a beloved kind of ritual space for me because it's, it's um, right, it's where everyone gathers when, right, when Prop 8, um, was mm -hmm. approved and marriage rights were lost. People gathered in the streets and, um, you know, when, when there was the pulse shooting, people mm -hmm. gathered. So it, for me, it's kind of like the outdoor sanctuary of kind of queer folk in mm -hmm. San Francisco. And I love that in the midst of a time when like faithful people were like wrongly debating the worth, worth of people during an epidemic that like queer people were just like, whatever, everywhere's a church and this yeah. is our, our altar now. And so on any, on any given weekday, it might be like a very serious um, political thing that's being talked about on that space or it's like pet adoption day. Mm -hmm. It's like the full gamut of ways. I was there when the night Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And yeah. yeah. That was very powerful. It's always a, a gathering place when people are upset and need to be together. Yeah. Good one. Peter. Uh, so when I was a, a kid, like the first time I had a meditative experience, I, I remember distinctly is um, at the old Steinhardt Aquarium, they had that fish roundabout. And I'd go up there in the dark, and I don't know how to describe this, except it's like the Cupertino Apple uh, campus. Imagine that as like a fish tank. Like you're <laughs> in the center of it, and the fish are all going around you in their home, and you can... You know, you see one go by and it's going to come again in 40 seconds. And I remember that was like, it was dark. I was able to get in myself and get in my head in a way that I just remember was, you know, again, a meditative thing. It's gone now, but I feel that way now as an adult. And I would not have wanted to go to the botanical garden as that kid. But now that I'm older, I go to the Botanical Garden, and I feel that way in so many places. Um, I'm going to shout out the Moon, uh, the Moon Garden. It, it has a, another longer name, but um, it, a lot of the uh, Japanese fauna are there, and there's this wonderful deck, and and everything there. When I'm walking through the Botanical Garden. Um, when my grandmother walked through the botanical garden, it was pretty much the same. The view of Sutro is what I remember from when I was with my family walking around there. And 
just walking in there and finding a space, um, I just feel centered. And, and I feel centered in the city. Like, mm-hmm. all the changes going on. San Francisco's dying, you hear it, and just these battles. What generation are you? All of these things go away when I'm in the botanical garden because generations of people have been there. It's pretty much the same, and they've felt the same. And it makes me realize, like, things aren't changing as much as I thought, as people think they are. So. Well, congratulations. You still want to mind back. Yes. <laughs> good because that's what part of this is about yes um, we're we're acting like we're so centered and peace (laughs) but we're really about stealing each other's picks (laughs) (laughs) okay quickly quickly reshuffling um i'm gonna go with glen canyon anybody who follows me on twitter knows that i go there all the time and take pretty pictures and post them um it's super close to where i live if i need just a break in the workday with interminable you know, typing, writing, um, just go out, can get there in a few minutes. And up on the hiking paths, you don't feel like you're in the city anymore. It's like most people who live in San Francisco don't even know it's there. I didn't know it was there until I moved to that neighborhood. And um, the hiking trails, the huge rocks to climb on, um, picnic spots, the Sutro views, um, just a great quick um, getaway. Good one. What's your favorite spot there? Um, there's a huge tree that has baby owls every spring, and they're gone now, I think. But um, a few weeks ago, everybody was gathering there with their um, binoculars, and it's who can spot the baby owl? <laughs> Ooh, who can spot them? <laughs> <laughs> number two. All right, number two is actually inside a sanctuary. Go to Lutheran churches, but my choice is the Church of Eight Wheels. Oh, oh yes. Excellent right? pick. Yeah, for the, so for those who haven't been there, it's a former sanctuary that still has much of the like wood all around, but adorned with disco lights and a DJ, and uh, that's kind of my like go-to place for like angry days, to like turn it into disco fever roller skating. It's much, <laughs> elbows? Do you throw elbows? Yeah, it's it's much cooler than. Um, much cooler music than I'm making it sound like, but um, what's your what's your favorite song, and then what's your couple's skate song? Oh, well, I'm I'm mostly going with my little kiddos because my wife is of the mind of I'll go around twice, but I don't want to like break a hip. <laughs> she's not actually that old, but that's more of her like <laughs> speed. She's just like I'm not doing it, but she's a good sport about it. Um, and so it's normally the kind of going out with the kiddos and. Um, I they really love that song about Havana, mm. Unana, <laughs> and they get so excited that they've like made up their own dance moves, but also know none of the words other than the chorus. And so that I think none is, of us do. I mean. Yeah, yeah. So that one's my favorite, just because my kids get a little too into it. Um, yeah, because otherwise they would choose like something from Frozen, and I just can't anymore with that song. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's just pandemic realness. Um, yeah. And and then I also love, I rather than, like, it's not really a... I, I usually go home before the kind of couple's skate vibe happens because we're kind of there during the, like, young kid portion mm-hmm. and then we got to get them to bed before they explode with too much sugar and all of that. But um, they there are times when uh, the limbo happens Ooh. at the Church oh, of Eight Wheels. Yeah. 
and just watching how like younger children don't break in half when they like do full splits on the floor um and and like one of the best skaters if not the best i don't want to make anyone mad at the church of eight wheels but um is like five. Oh wow and it's like just amazing when she's like on fire and she's oh. like doing all i love the people who do like intricate dance footwork <laughs> on like rollerblades have like you the, met david miles jr yeah yeah he's awesome yeah he's an aunt comes from lutherans oh really yep. i didn't know that well close enough for it to count okay yeah, yeah. so um in the um in the same vein of cathedrals that aren't quite cathedrals um I'm going to go with the Castro Theater, going Love to a movie it. by myself in that I always like to get, and I actually know it's K-21 at the Grand Lake Theater because I just had to reserve the seat the other day, but I like to get about halfway back in the Roger Ebert seat where you're on the row and you have the good sight line, but you're in the, the wing a little bit. Uh, I think about when I was a kid, I felt bullied. I didn't feel safe very many places. I felt safe at like comic book conventions. Um, I felt safe at comic book stores and I felt safe in a movie theater by myself, you know, and I could just lose myself and dream and watch a good story and think about what could be. And, um, and I, I got back to it just a couple weeks ago and was just happy to find that I sit down in that theater, get in the side by myself and I can just, feel the same way I did the first time I did that. Um, my parents dropped me off to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark by myself, and I felt so big, and I felt possibility, and I felt safe, and I still feel that way. It's womb-like <laughs> when I go to a movie by myself. And Castro, I mean, we're, we talk about what we've missed with theaters and when one closes. We have so much in the Bay Area. We have so many of these beautiful you know, Art Deco, historic theaters all around the Bay Area, and the Castro's just a gem, and I was thrilled to hear it's coming back and can't wait to see a movie there. And anytime a man rises from the floor yes. in a sparkly jacket <laughs> to play the organ yes. and then waits for you to clap before descending back <laughs> into the floor again, that's, that's church. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. that's my number two. Great choice. You're so eloquent about these. Um, so one more each, right? Yeah. Okay. As you can tell, I don't actually go to church. <laughs> but my third... You're in the church right now. <laughs> Check it off the list. Okay. Yeah. My third pick is very unusual, but I'm going to go with a cable car. Yeah. Um, I've been missed... As much as you've missed movie theaters, I have missed cable cars and the historic street cars. Um, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with both of them. And... Um, I got to go on a cable car being towed by a truck pretty recently. They're not actually running yet, but they're being pulled to um, displays near the bay and at the Powell Street turnaround for um, pictures. And so I got to ride on one. And even that, I was just like, this is super weird on a cable car being pulled by a truck, but I am loving it. It's just so fun. The views, the bell ringing, that's kind of churchy. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel very like this is San Francisco, this is home, and the fact that they've been around since 1860 or 70-something, I should know the exact year, but they've survived this long and they're coming back. It's like, we got this. Yeah, I love when your social media feed, when you're like, I'm not telling you how, but I found myself <laughs> on a cable car, and don't tell anyone, but I'm posting it for everyone to see. It's my favorite. It's like the most nerdy 
San Francisco moment ever. Yes, and every Friday I go to my favorite dance class, Peter's been once, Roryography, um, in Dolores Park, and then my friends and I and Rory go and have a drink at um, Woods across the street and watch, and well, they don't, they're not nerdy like me, but I watch all the historic streetcars going back to their sleeping place at night and take pictures and they're like why do you keep turning around and looking at the intersection taking pictures of Australia phone? just went by <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm a total dork but I love it good one well honorable mention to the Land's End uh, mm-hmm. Labyrinth yes lovely it's in disarray it needs to be redone into yes. the proper ancient Labyrinth form but we'll save that for another day mm-hmm. but um, I'm going to go with the the Open Cathedral, the Night Ministries, uh, 16th and Mission pop-up worship service on mm. Thursday nights. Oh, I've never heard of that. It's uh, in English and in Spanish. And Pastor Monique, who's the pastor at uh, Santa Maria y Santa Martha, uh, leads the service. And it's upgraded now. It used to just be like shouting over the traffic, but she's got like one of those Madonna microphones now. And it's... So it's a service for kind of whoever just happens to be gathering in that BART Plaza, but it is designed to be like welcoming for like homeless folk who, you know, feel like they maybe couldn't be inside of a normal church service, but Mm -hmm. it's just like watching Pastor Monique lead the service. She has like such heart and like loves it so much that when she starts talking about the sermon for that day, people walking down the street stop and like hide behind trees because they don't want to like be at church or they're not sure if they could be at church Mm -hmm. because of how they're dressed or whatever Mm -hmm. about their life and they'll just like slowly peek out from behind the tree and all of a sudden a service that started with like three people will have like 45 people at the end of it and then so they give out communion to everyone and then they give out like a sack lunch to kind of everyone who's gathered. And and Pastor Monique like knows everyone's like full life stories wow. who just wanders into the service and is like, um, and people will come and they'll say, you know, my, my boyfriend's in the hospital and she'll go visit them in the hospital Aww. later that week. And so it's this weird gem of a service that like, you know, they bring their own folding t- chairs and tables. And so it's not really a sanctuary, but it just makes this really weird spot in San Francisco that is the kind of place where some people are like, should I walk a little faster? Am I safe mm-hmm. right now? And she's just so welcoming of people, regardless of their sobriety level, mm-hmm. regardless of their mental health level. And is just like, you know what? God can show up with like a folding chair and yeah. a couple of linens and so they do it every week we should add that to our podcast yeah yeah that sounds like a great one yeah it's it's a good space so yeah if you ever are walking down mission street Thursday, because you never know who's saying stuff about god on a microphone Mm -hmm. in different parts of san francisco but to know that there's at least someone who's like joyfully saying like Everybody loves you. Aww. Like, it's fine. That's awesome. Right? It's like having a grandma who just, like, loves everyone at the corner yeah. of 16th and Mission. Aww. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. We should come down with, we're doing, like, more remote podcasts. Yeah. We did a podcast on the boat tram. So come down with a microphone and just talk to people. I think that'd be a good episode. Yeah, it would. All right. Well, I, I'm going to close it off, and I am going to pick Alameda, but I'm going to pick um, Alameda 
at the Alameda Naval Base, um, right where the new um, Seaplane Lagoon ferry is now. It's not launching yet. But there's a space right there where at the beginning of the pandemic when I couldn't come to San Francisco and it just felt unsafe certainly to get on any transit, they didn't want you to unless there was an essential reason. I wasn't really comfortable driving into the city yet. Every night for like a month, you know, working hard, work was very difficult. My wife's a teacher, things were doubly rough for her and my kids, but I'd, I'd make time to just bike down and look at San Francisco the skyline and Sutro Tower and just be a little bit grateful and understand, you know, how blessed I am to live in this community and live with a wonderful city nearby with so many different um, things to discover, which Heather and I do together, you know, as much as we can, people to learn from and um, exciting places to visit, you know, Church of Eight Wheels. I haven't been there yet. Uh, what? So I, I would bike there every and just like think about the things that I wish I had done. Uh, you know, Kevin and, and Steve Rubenstein, who I work with, have a band. I've never gone and seen them. It's this like fun Irish, Irish, news Irish newsboys. Why didn't I ever go see them? I'm thinking about stuff like that and just kind of like checking myself with appreciation and gratitude and also thinking about what I'm going to do next. And um, I still bike down there sometimes. I mean, when the sunset's really good, I'm seeing more and more people down there. There's a lot of people moving in there. And, um, and that was an important place for me for the first month of the pandemic. And I think it's going to be an important place for me the rest of my life. But as a reminder from this time, that um, we live near this wonderful city. It's filled with discoveries. There are so many of the old things that are still here, and then there are new things happening, and all of it is, is a positive. So that's my last place. That's such a great like adulting lesson that like you can have like a place where you like give yourself a pep talk to like show up in life, right? Like your own little secret hideaway place. It, it reminds me in like in movies where like the little kids find have like this glamorous tree house that no one could possibly have spent that much time <laughs> making. But you have this place where you're just like, I can do it. And here yeah. I go. I love it. It feels like a, a full circled kind of journey. Because when I moved away from San Francisco in 2000, I moved to Oakland and I'm like, I'm East Bay now. And you know. Sastown. Uh, sorry. Sastown. I, I just used, you sastowned it. I just, yeah. I just used uh, middle fingers he in a church. He just double Absolved. fingered in a church. I didn't Absolved. mean it to thank Points you. Points don't matter here. <laughs> <laughs> but now I realize, like I've made this full circle. Like I'm lucky to have lived there, and leaving San Francisco doesn't mean that you don't get to take some of it with you, and that you don't get to go back, and you don't get to love it. And that's a big lesson that's come through the past few years, but really I've been able to put it into words during the pandemic. You're sounding like a preacher. A little bit. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the surroundings. It's the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say too, like, maybe you just need me to look deeply into your eyes and just say, Peter, you are not the things people say on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I need this. You can love San Francisco, even uh, if people think they should be in charge of your budget and your home address. <laughs> and when you're not working, you can take a break in a different place. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. You're not your Twitter followers <laughs> either, or the weird, wacky things they say. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'm in a good place. I'm in a better place. I, I thought that was going to happen, but uh, thank you so much for coming back on and yeah. talking with us and making us feel better about it all. You can do it, everybody. <laughs> Listen to the bishop elect. Yeah. Also, go to Lutheran churches. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks again. That was fun. Yeah. We did it. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Megan Rohr. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 